Welcome to Andy Staples on three. Great show for you tonight. We got Shane Beamer, the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. He's got an update on a five-star recruit who just started practicing with the team that when you hear how much this dude weighs and then realize how fast he is, your jaw is going to drop. You got that in a few minutes. Later, Dan Rubenstein of the Solid Verbal joins us. We are going to play a new game. It's called Whose Team Is It Anyway? How well do you know the players who entered the transfer portal and came out the other side? Probably not as well as you think. This game was hard, and we could have made it a lot harder, but it was a lot of fun. We'll have that for you later in the show as well. Not a lot of huge earth-shattering news in college football today, which, given the past few weeks, feels like a, a, a bit of a breather. Uh, no conferences have remade themselves. It doesn't seem at the moment like any giant move is imminent, which that's that's probably good. Probably needs to calm down a little bit. The the biggest news was the T-shirts, apparently, that the Northwestern coaches wore to practice. Uh, Cats against the world with Pat Fitzgerald's number 51. That's the number he wore as a Northwestern player on the shirt. And it caused a bunch of stories to be written, a bunch of controversy. Uh, the university athletic director, Derek Gregg, came out with a statement, which it's funny because Derek Gregg, we barely heard a peep from him for about three weeks when all this stuff was unfolding, the, the hazing allegations, Pat Fitzgerald being fired, everything else. But they wore some T-shirts in support of Pat Fitzgerald. He said, I'm extremely disappointed that a few members of our football program staff decided to wear Cats Against the World T-shirts. Neither I nor the university was aware they owned or would wear these shirts today. The shirts are inappropriate, offensive, and tone deaf. Let me be crystal clear. Hazing has no place at Northwestern, and we are committed to do whatever is necessary to address hazing-related issues, including thoroughly investigating any incidents or allegations of hazing or other misconduct. Translation, we're getting sued like crazy. Please don't do that. Now, David Braun, the, for lack of a better term, poor schlep who has to deal with all this stuff. He was North Dakota State's defensive coordinator last year. Now he's here, and he's the interim coach. Oh, by the way, his wife just had a baby. He got asked about this, and, and I like his response. He said, I'm not going to dive into it. It certainly isn't my business to censor anyone's free speech. That's probably the right attitude for Braun to have in the situation he's in. As for the coaches, the players, anybody who is throwing on those shirts, you might want to consider one thing just before you do it. Because I'm with Coach Braun on this. If it, You are allowed to feel however you want to feel about what has happened. And if you want to support the guy you think has been wrong, then absolutely. But before you do, again, just think about this. You are a 1-11 team that apparently likes to do a lot of weird naked stuff. Is your culture really that great? Is it really something you need to defend and celebrate? Just a thought. When we come back, South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer joins. He's got an update on five-star Nicholas Harbor. You're not going to believe it. We'll be right back. We are joined now by South Carolina head coach Shane Beamer. And coach, we can't talk about any specifics involving recruiting, but I did text you the other day. Uh, you you seem to really enjoy the uh, the DMV, Washington, D.C. area. And I'm, I'm curious if this is a uh, a prelude to running for office. I don't, I don't know if you're just shuttling back and forth to get – get some experience in case there's a Senate running coming up. 
Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm up there a lot. I uh, certainly making a lot of connections. I do love politics, but I uh, between coaching in the SEC and and uh, politics, I think when I'm done coaching, I think that'll be uh, time for me to retire and run off into the sunset. I think you could handle it though. Like you, you do have that that state. Well, maybe I, we won't get too political on this show, but that statesman-esque quality where you could you could probably unite sides of the aisle if you needed to. I, I think you might be able to do that. I would like to think so. Um, you know, there's a lot of correlation in the app between athletics and politics, I guess, and dealing with people and and, and all that. And I have uh, been up there in January recruiting Nicholas Harbor, and then back mm-hmm. in June we had a uh, like an NIL summit day up on Capitol Hill. So that was really cool for me as a guy that does that loves history, but yeah. then also enjoys politics to be in the U.S. Capitol and have a chance to meet with people and walk the halls and. You think about all the history in those uh, in DC and those in those areas. It was really cool. So who knows? We'll talk about it later when you need a comms director. It's it's no problem. Uh, yeah. But I, I will ask. You mentioned Nicholas Harbor. I was going to wait till the end of the interview, but I know there's a bunch of recruit nicks because I work for On Three now. So I know there's a bunch of recruit nicks that are excited to hear about what does this gentleman actually look like in pads on a college practice field. He's uh um eye-opening without a doubt from just a physical stature standpoint um you know take the speed out of it just his height I mean the guy's 243 pounds uh, at today as we record this and um has size has athleticism um he's a great kid great young man I mean he works really really hard football is important to him Sometimes you and I was telling him, and actually I told the team this the other day, showed it in a team meeting. I mean, he's, he's got toughness. And, um, you know, sometimes when you were bring a guy out that's also, quote, unquote, a track guy, all they want to do is just run fast and, and not deal with the physicality that football is. And not him. He, uh, he likes the physical part of it. He's got a competitive spirit to him. And awesome young man that works really, really hard. I'm excited he's with us. As his recruitment went along, how did the evolution of, of his position change in in your mind and or was it was it him driving that or or was it you guys kind of saying wait you might fit better here yeah a little bit of both um you know when when we first first time I ever saw him I was coaching at Oklahoma and um I was in Archbishop Carroll his high school and we were recruiting uh, Anton Harrison who ended up signing with Oklahoma and just got drafted into the NFL and I remember uh, Robert Harris the coach there at the time uh, well, I was sitting in his office and he's like, Hey, I know you're here to see Anton, but I got to show you this video of this freshman I got. And it was a video of Nick running track. And I remember sitting in the office thinking, Oh my God, this guy plays football. Um, and then he pointed him out to me in the hall and he looked basically like he does now. And uh, that was the first time I ever saw Nicholas Harbor and just knew, you know what, he's, he's whatever he wants to be. And then we get to Carolina and uh, start recruiting him. June of 21, I guess, is when everything, the COVID dead period ended and recruits were able to get on campus. And he came down here with his high school coach. And early on, it was going to be, we were recruiting him as a defensive end. Mm -hmm. Uh, With that size and strength and speed and athleticism, he could uh, do that. And he could. Um, I still believe that. But then as it went on and on, he decided he wanted to play offense, you know. So at that point, we started talking to him about offense, and naturally, you start thinking about tight end. And then as it goes, it's one of those okay, 
this guy's 240 plus pounds and is a world-class sprinter. Do we really want him half the time blocking SEC defensive ends um, or cutting off the backside on an inside zone play? And he's got toughness. He will, he would do that. And then it just kind of evolved to we're better off. Let's just get him out in space, use his athleticism and his speed. And uh, that's what's best for him. And then for us as a team as well, but then it was a group effort too, because Sterling Lucas, who coaches our defensive ends, Sterling was connected with him because um, he was initially going to be a defensive end. So Sterling continued to build that bond. And then Justin Stepp, our wide receivers coach, mm -hmm. and Joey Wright, our tight ends coach, they got involved because Nicholas was going to become an offensive player. So I feel like every coach on the staff, except maybe the O-line coach and the D-line coach, were involved in his recruitment. Well, and it is a, it's just one of those coaching small world things, too. I, I was listening to uh, to Trey Knox, your your tight end transfer from Arkansas, and everyone's asking him questions about Dow Loggins, your new offensive coordinator who came from Arkansas and was his position coach there. And he's like, no, 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 guys. I knew Coach Step first. Yeah. So yeah. It, it is amazing how much cross-pollination there is. No, it really is. And, 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 you know, it just goes to show in recruiting. You develop relationships. And nowadays, probably more, more than ever, it's prevalent, Andy, with just a transfer portal. Like, if you lose a guy initially in recruiting and he goes to another college, I mean, you don't, you, you don't want to end on bad terms. And we don't. A guy goes somewhere else, we wish him well. But it's more prevalent than ever because there's a chance that, you know, down the road with – the way coaches change, the transfer portal being prevalent, that it may all circle back and you may, may be reconnected with that guy. But, yeah, when we first hired Dow and uh, and Justin – or Justin was already on the staff, but I can remember yeah. we, were down in, uh, we were down in Fort Lauderdale in December out recruiting. And um, that was when Trey Knox first went in the portal and we were getting ready to do a home visit with a wide receiver defensive back down in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, before we went in the house, I got on the phone with Trey – and it really resonated with me. Obviously, what a great young man he is. But he had the connection with Dow, but then Justin was with me. And then to hear those two guys talk like they had just seen each other the day before because of the bond they built in recruiting was pretty cool. We'll be right back with more from South Carolina coach Shane Beamer. But first, I want to tell you about bird dogs. You've heard me talk about living your most efficient life in bird dog shorts. There's a picture of me and my tight wads that have the built-in liner no need to buy or wash underwear ever again. They can take me from the bar to the golf course, to the pool, to wherever life might bring me. But what about the top? What about the tarp? What are we doing about that? Well, Bird Dogs also now makes polos. That's right. This beauty right here is the Fidel Bass Pro. They've also got the Galileo Ravioli, the hand polo. Oh, yeah. They like their puns at Bird Dogs. But the point is now... You can go into places that say no shirt, no shoes, no service, wearing bird dogs because you had your shorts on, but you were going tarp off. Now you can go tarp on with bird dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash Andy or use the promo code Andy. You get this amazing hat so you can go shorts, upper torso, and head, all covered by bird dogs. Birddogs.com slash Andy, promo code Andy. And it probably makes that recruitment much easier. That's it would seem to be that if you don't have some pre-established relationship, once some dude hits the portal, you may be out of luck. No, there's no doubt, you know, because every school in America is if a, guy, if a great, if Andy Staples is a great player and he goes in the portal within two hours, you got everybody in the country after you, you're naturally, I think going to go maybe where you have some natural built-in relationships already. And, um, and the other thing too, with that is, 
because of those relationships, they can trust that coach. So, for example, if Justin Stepp, yeah, Justin Stepp works here at South Carolina and wants what's best for our program, but he's also got a relationship with Trey where if he tells Trey Knox, look, this Shane Beamer guy that you don't know, here's what he's really like and here's what this program is like and it's not fake and things like that. You know, being able to, you know, have those conversations with players, uh, certainly it's a, it's an advantage when that happens. We've, we've, you know, we've benefited from it and, and then we've lost guys that we were in the portal that were in the portal that maybe we wanted that we didn't get because of a relationship he had with another coach somewhere. So switching gears to guys who never went in the portal. I, I want to ask about another one of your offensive weapons, DK Joyner, year six in the program, third different position. He's at yeah. running back. Now he starts a quarterback, then a receiver yeah. brief cameo at quarterback again in a bowl game. And then, and now he's playing running back. Yeah. Uh, how did that conversation go? Yeah, it was one of those, uh, you know, in the last two seasons, we've lost multiple running backs out of our program, mm -hmm. whether it be after my first year, Kevin Harris and Zaquandre White uh, left early for the NFL. And then last season, we had some guys that decided to transfer. So the depth in that running back room was not what it needed to be. And we were going into spring practice this past spring with uh, – Juju McDowell was a scholarship running back returning and Mario Anderson was a transfer running back from Newberry that we had just brought in on scholarship. And those were our only two scholarship tight ends that we had in the program. Our excuse me, scholarship running backs that we had yeah. in the program. So initially it was, we got to get some running backs to be able to just get through spring practice. And then when you look at DK, he's a big thick receiver as, at the time. And mm -hmm. you look at his body type, he looks like a running back in a lot of ways. But then for me, Andy, it was going back and we've used him in a wildcat quarterback role over the last couple of seasons. You alluded to the bowl game where he was a quarterback. But if you go back and watch the Tennessee game, he scored a couple of touchdowns in that game as a wildcat quarterback where he showed really natural running skills. There was a play where we just ran like a downhill run for a touchdown mm -hmm. where he had to lower his shoulder and get north south. And scored. And then there was another play. We ran like a little bit of a zone read type scheme and he had to make somebody miss out in space and then get it in the end zone. So I knew he had the ability. So I brought him in my office before spring practice and just said, look, here's where we are at running back. We know you can play receiver. You know, you going through 15 practices in the spring. Yeah, that's going to help you. But we know what you can do there. You're a smart guy. This is going to help our football team and help you if you want to just we didn't even talk about doing it 100% in the spring. It was really just, let's just take some days out of spring practice, out of our 15 practices. Let's take, I don't know, five or six where you work as a running back just so you get some experience. And then he got in there and probably one or two days in, I think he felt at home. And uh, he's never, not once since then, has he come to me and said, when am I going back to receiver? He's uh, He embraced it, has done a great job, and, and it's really a, a – natural uh, great position for him and for our football team this season and then for his future as well what does it say about a guy like that because you know usually when the quarterback doesn't win the job they're gone yep. but he has found ways to stay over and over again yeah to me it says what a fantastic just human being he is uh how unselfish i mean he is um if not the leader of our team he is one of the top leaders of our team there's no doubt about it um, and then the other thing I think it says is that he loves South Carolina. And honestly, you know, after the way he played in the bowl game two years ago against North Carolina, when he was our quarterback, mm -hmm. he had other schools that were 
let's be honest, tampering with him, trying to get him to come uh, play for their college as a quarterback. And, you know, he and I met about it and wanted to talk about him and what was best for his future. And at the end of the day, he's like, Coach, I, I love South Carolina. I grew up here. I don't want to play anywhere else. I've invested too much time uh, in this program, and I want to finish what I started here at Carolina. And then, uh, you know, went in the last season thinking that it could be his last year. Uh, and then for him to decide to come back for another year uh, has only made him better and uh, made our team better. But what a what a uh, example for not just our players, but players all across the country. And, you know, a guy that hung in there and dealt with some adversity. But uh, to me, his best football is still in front of him. So you brought up that Duke's Mayo Bowl against North Carolina. You will play North Carolina again in that stadium to open the season. College game day is going to be there. Drake May, Mac Brown, everybody. But the most important question Will it be easier to coach this game knowing there's no chance someone will dump mayo on your head? <laughs> It'll, uh, I'll probably be more focused and tunnel vision on the game because <laughs> in that bowl game, there was always the thought in the back of my mind every time we or as it got closer to the end of the game, oh, shoot, uh, if we're about to win this game and I got a mayo bath coming my way. So the anxiety <laughs> you felt throughout the game – that won't be there, but the uh, intensity and the urgency, it'll be an awesome night in Charlotte, but well, uh, that no, no, no mayo, thankfully. I was going to say, thanks to DK Joyner, you actually took a, a decent lead early, so that, that mayo was probably in the back of your mind for yeah, quite some early. time. Yeah, <laughs> it was early. They had Sam Howell in, expl in an explosive offense, and, and we had to play. We got off to a good start and had to play really well in the second half, but uh, as the game went on, I mean, I can vividly remember – being on the sidelines with about four minutes left in the game, thinking, you know what, this me agreeing to this Mayo bath seemed like a pretty good idea like a month ago when they asked me, but now yeah. it's like reality. <laughs> yeah, it's like whatever for, for the cause. Wait, what? Yeah. I have to do this now? Yeah. So you and I have a uh, a person in our in our history uh, where we, we learned quite a few things from. So I, I want to ask you you this. You coached with Steve Spurrier when he was at South Carolina. That was your first time around. And I'm watching you guys recruit, and it feels very similar to to that last time that you were there together, where you were you were getting all kinds of talent and and really building that program into something special. What did you learn from working with Steve Spurrier? Uh, a lot. Um, you know, that was like there were reasons I wanted to take this job at South Carolina when I left Mississippi State from a personal standpoint. But just from a professional standpoint, the opportunity to come here and learn from a guy like Steve Spurrier, who won an ACC championship at Duke and won, what, seven SEC championships, mm -hmm. I think, at Florida. I believe it's eight because he counts the 1991 when they were first, but not eligible to win it. Gotcha. Yes. Sorry, sorry, Coach Spurrier, eight <laughs> um, as well. So it was a great experience for me as a young coach to learn, to, to get that opportunity. Um, you know, a couple of things stand out. Um one, how it, I really saw how a team will take on the personality of their coach, you know, and the way the, the swagger, confidence, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that Coach Spurrier carried himself with. You know, to me, a lot of our players and our team kind of took on that, that mentality in a lot of ways. Um, and then probably and then the other thing is just um, – it was good for me as a young coach just to see that work-life balance that, that he had, that at the end of the day, you better have good players and coach them up, as he liked to say, 
uh, likes to say. And you, but you better have good players. But get good players in here, coach them up, develop them. But you can also, you know, you don't have to be up here from 5 a.m. until midnight sleeping in the office. And you know, I haven't, but I saw him in the in the spring during spring practice play golf three four times a week um, in the months of March and April during spring ball, where you've got that good balance. And to me, you you and your assistant coaches, you need that. Um, because uh, this profession is a grind. So those are probably the two biggest things, just the personality that, that he had, how it resonates with your players, that confidence. And then it was good for me to see that work-life balance that he had. And one more before I let you go. I, I just You've exceeded expectations the first couple of years in this job. They, they keep growing. How do, you, how do you deal with that? How do you address that with your players? Yeah, you know, it's, it's different because two years ago um, – you know, it's funny. We, we, this morning I had to record a bunch of uh, radio ads and television, like commercials for sponsors and things like that. And the list of people that want to work with Gamecock football and be corporate sponsors has grown in the last two years. Really? Yep. And uh, it's a byproduct of winning. And uh, so you kind of realize that, that, that there's more, more eyes on you, more people want to be associated with you. But um, because two years ago, there weren't expectations. There were people that said the ceiling for this team was two wins and we won seven. And then last year we won eight. Uh, for me, Andy, it's, I want to be at a place with high expectations and we have high expectations for ourselves. Um, uh, two from it's, you don't listen to so much of that. We weren't listening to them two years ago when, when they didn't think we were very good and we're not listening to them right now when there are expectations for us and I know it's cliche but it's true we just worry about ourselves try and be better tomorrow than we were today and maximize the potential of the 2023 team and you know get to the end of the season and and uh hopefully we've gotten better as the year went on and we we have you know maximized our potential but we embrace the expectations we want that we want you know high expectations but also realizing that we have a a lot of work to do. Yes, we won eight games last season and did a lot of things for the first time, but there's a there's a lot that 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 we need to improve for us to be able to to take the next step. Also, great lesson. Never listen to those media guys. Love it. It's perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. Unless they're like the experts, like yourself. Then yeah, no. just me. Don't nobody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. You got it. Thank you. Big news in the uniform world on Wednesday night. FIU announced its FIU Vice uniforms. And if there is a cooler alternate uniform this season, I want to see it. Look, if you're Penn State, if you're Auburn, you don't mess with your uniforms. They're perfect. The tradition is amazing. If you're FIU, have some fun with it. And if you're going to pay homage to Miami Vice, do it with a neon Lamborghini which is what they did. And my sources at FIU tell me that basically their video shoot started with somebody, somebody new going, hey, I got a guy that can get us a Lamborghini, which is about the most Miami sentence that's ever been uttered. Look at these magnificent uniforms. These are glorious. And I know what you're saying, but it's not, it's not classic. It's, it's pink. No, it's Miami. Now, the U has its own classic uniform. But if you're FIU, then you got to work harder. And this is doing it right here. So Scott Carr, the athletic director, Dan Forcella, the associate athletic director, they they came from UCF. 
They like those Citronaut uniforms they did there. But these, I got to say, as much as I like the Citronaut UCF uniforms, these are even better. You got palm trees. You got 305. You got bright colors. And, of course, you got a Lamborghini. If you're going to announce a new uniform in Miami, you do it with a Lamborghini. FIU UTEP, October 11th, ESPN2. You know, I'll be watching. When we come back, we're going to play the new game show that is sweeping the nation. Whose team is it anyway? Dan Rubenstein from the Solid Verbal joins us. How well do you know what came out of the transfer portal this offseason? Are you sure you know where everybody is now that camp has started? I guarantee you, you don't. This game is outstanding. It's fun. We're going to have to play it a few more times before games start. We'll be right back. We are joined now by the great Dan Rubenstein, pioneer <laughs> of college football podcasting from the Solid Verbal Podcast. Hi, Dan. How's it going? Thanks for having me. It's great. Now, Dan, I, I've always felt like you missed your calling. You should have been a game show host. Yeah. And you have brought me on board for multiple game shows throughout the years on your show. Yes. Uh, most recently, Sark Tank, which was oh, brilliant. You and Ty Hildebrand uh, <laughs> did a tremendous job producing that episode. Thank you. Um, first of all, it's not too late. I just turned 40, so I have time. You You've seen the, the 10 years of like Pat Sajak hosting Wheel of Fortune for however 40 years or something. So I have time. The other thing is, I, I don't know if people... I mean, I've mentioned this no, numerous times, but I will be the only game show contestant, the only college football game show contestant with actual multi-time game show contestant, real game show contestant experience. Well, you, you know I also have... Game show contestant experience. Yeah, I mean, you were a singled out champion, were you not? <laughs> I, I was on MTV in the era when singled out was on, but I was on Idiot Savants short-lived MTV game show. Uh, there were three contestants, and I finished third. So was this didn't go well? This who hosted this? this is not John Stewart. I cannot remember who hosted Idiot Savants. I have to go look at that. Okay. But it was Panama City Beach in okay. 1997 is when we filmed it. There was a, a tryout. They they did tryouts on, on various campuses within driving distance of Panama City. Mm -hmm. And so I uh, came through the the UF heat, the UF sure. tryout, and uh, and wound up on Idiot Savants. and was doing well. I was actually in the lead. And then they had this segment where, or a category, where they had a model in a skin-tight kind of human anatomy outfit. Yeah. And she would point somewhere, and you had to explain where she was pointing and, and i had they... something very similar on my game show weirdly enough yeah it was which, like which game show cutout. it was pick your brain it was my face in a cardboard cutout or excuse me it was my mom's face in a cardboard cutout she stood behind it and i would be told a body part and i had to like put a velcro thyroid or whatever <laughs> where it is on the body i did pretty good not great well, funny you mentioned thyroid. My downfall, where it all started going downhill for me, Same. was saying pituitary when I meant thyroid. Oh, and yeah. I, I kept putting the, the thyroid on the thigh. But <laughs> I was nine years old. <laughs> oh, well, see, I, I was 18. I had yeah. no excuses. I also misheard the uh, Beck lyric, bottles and cans, and just clap your hands, and just clap your hands. Got mm. that wrong from, yep. from where it's at. So. Not not the greatest game show experience for me, but I also had a lot of friends who helped me prep because growing up, high, middle school, high school in Orlando, 
there were so many classmates who had been on some version of Double Dare. Yes, yes. People don't understand. I mean, I think it's the Orlando area is the same way. If you grow up in Los Angeles as well, I got game show audition flyers in my school cubby, right? They need to <laughs> fill they need to fill these spots. So a bunch of my friends and I would go on game shows. And that the one I just mentioned, I think I won a five thousand dollar savings bond when I was nine or ten years old. So yeah, that's just how it operates. It is it it's it was quite a, an economy, mm-hmm. but I uh I'm just I'm disappointed. I, I should have won that game. It's it's mm. been eating at me for a long time. And that's why I've created this game show. We are both host and contestant in this game show because I I figure that you're the better game show host of the two of us, but I I do want to break into this industry if I can. And I would like to also show off and see if I can beat you. I'm not sure I can in this game, but I think this is is one that everybody's going to get something out of. Okay. And we're, we're probably going to play it annually. We'll probably play, and we may play it a couple more times before the season starts. But mm-hmm. this game is called Whose Team Is It Anyway? Like and that. it is in honor of the transfer portal. You and I were talking before we started recording about just not even realizing where some guys were until about right. four days ago. The season starts in a couple of weeks. We, we need to know where everybody's playing. So... What we're going to do is I'll name a player and you must name. Here's the catch. If they've gone to multiple schools, you got to name them all. Oh God. Okay. So, but you've got to name where they were and where they are. And you're going to do the same for me. If we're each going to do five players, I've got a longer list in case we've got to go to a tiebreaker round. Or it's only like active that. players, right? Like I'm not going to need yes. to remember where Sam McGuffey ended This is up. people yeah, who yeah. moved this off season and Sam okay. McGuffey in case you're scoring at home. That would be Michigan to Rice. Right. So okay. <laughs> there you go. But the game is whose team is it anyway? Okay. Get ready, Dan. We're about to play. Maybe you're a former five-star who couldn't find the field at your first school. Or maybe you blew up in the FCS or Division II and want to take your talents to the Power Five. Or maybe you just got a sweet, sweet NIL deal and always wanted to drive a G-Wagon. No matter the reason, you fell into the transfer portal and now you're somewhere else. We have to remember where you're playing and you know what that means. It's time for another game of Whose Team Is It Anyway? Okay, so here we go. Whose team is it anyway? Five rounds. Okay. I'll name a player. You name where they were before and where they are now. These are all people Stop. who transferred this offseason. Okay. So I'll, I'm going to start you with an easy slash tricky one. Oh, this is just setting me up for failure. My my uh, my disclaimer is I will pre-tell everybody I'm an idiot. And so if I get something right, it goes against it. So, okay. Let's go. We're going to get them wrong here. This, okay. is, this is this is the thing. We're explaining how hard this is to keep up with. Mm-hmm. And I, if you're the, a casual fan just coming in going, okay, I'm ready. I'm get, Let's get me ready for college football season. A lot of this is going to be news to you. So here we go. <laughs> you ready, Dan? Yes. Quarterback JT Daniels. Okay. That, that was a nice, soft takeoff. Mm-hmm. But uh, name the schools. All, all of them. All of them. Full path. Uh, JT Daniels started his career 
He enrolled early at USC, then Georgia, then West Virginia, and has now touched down at the now aforementioned Rice University Owls. That's correct. Boom. One point for Dan Rubenstein. And now the pressure is on me. Dan, who's your first player? Okay. My first player to you. Ooh, there's a lot of good ones here. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think this is, well, I think that I I was thinking of a medium one. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a soft takeoff as well. Let's go with Dante Cephas. Dante Cephas. I like how you're saying it like a spelling bee. (laughs) (laughs) Kent State to Penn State. Correct. Absolutely correct. And by the way, um, you can, any of the Mac schools are a a really nice first guess. Yes. A lot of guys leave Mac schools. Yes. The off season. Yeah. All right. Let us move. I'm going to give you another easy one. Okay. Before I really start trying to stump you. This guy you should be fairly familiar with. Okay. Linebacker Justin Flo. Hmm. Justin Flo. Uh from the University of Oregon mm-hmm. to with his brother, the University of Arizona. That is correct. Former five star Justin Flo, recruited by everybody yes. in the country. Injuries derailed his career at Oregon, but he's now with Jed Fish at Arizona. And this is one of those. Dan, I don't know how you feel about this, but the the guys who were mega recruits Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't work out somewhere, there's always that hope that they're just going to blow up at the next place. Yes. No, there's always that hope because it's just you talk yourself into a fresh start. You talk yourself into, well, they were sort of misused. They were in the wrong position at this school or like it, it was just off because the depth chart was wrong or the position coach who recruited him left and he just... He needs that right place. And in some mm-hmm. cases, totally true. In some cases, Justin Flo could not really cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. Yeah. Right. And and so we will see if that's a case of he just misevaluated or yeah. in the wrong scheme or injuries derailed. We'll, we'll totally. find out. All right, Dan, what is your next player? All right. I'm going to stick thematically because receiver is one of the more fun plug and play positions in the Mm. portal that, you know, if you can beat corners one place, you can probably beat a bunch of corners in another place and everybody's going wide open. Their offenses, everybody needs receivers. A D Mitchell. A D Mitchell last seen catching a touchdown pass. And I believe he caught one in it. He definitely caught one against Alabama in the national championship game. Uh, I believe he caught one against TCU. Uh, but he is headed to the University of Texas. Correct. And he will be a target of Quinn Ewers. And uh, that was a case where, you know, I, I think people thought, well, you know, what, what's going on here? Georgia. But Georgia also, and I don't know if these are your guys either, but uh, Dominic Lovett from Missouri, who was probably mm-hmm. Missouri's best receiver last year, went to Georgia. And then Ra Ra Thomas, who was Mississippi State's best receiver last year, went to Georgia. So for A.D. Mitchell, it was a, a kind of a fight for for getting some balls thrown to him. That's true. And Texas has a bunch of good receivers. Yeah, but Worthy, like... Jatavian Sanders, a tight end. And they, the uh, Isaiah Nair is the one. Yes, he has, he a Wyoming back. transfer from last year. Yeah, he tore his ACL, so he should be healthy this year, I believe, at the time of recording. So yeah. there, there really is no excuse for Quinn Ewers with a great offensive line in front of him 
uh, what should be good running backs and a bunch of good receivers. Are you ready for my next item? It's, it's my turn to go. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I did 80 Mitchell. Yeah. Please. Oh, yeah. Here we go. This is one of my favorite ones. And I, I realize we've gone mostly skill guys here, but that's mm-hmm. okay. Uh, this is one. Those of you who uh, who like to watch football on the weekdays, who like to uh, maybe put a little action on the games, you'll know this guy. But do you know where he wound up? Running back, Carson Steele. Mm. Again, you're very good just looking at the Mac as the, the starting point here. <laughs> okay. I believe this is Ball State to UCLA. Yes, that oh. is correct. I Carson's... sometimes get Ball State and Miami of Ohio. Apologies to both of those schools because I think they're both red and black. I guess and, and birds and birds as their, as their mascots. Yes, yes, they are bird teams. Carson Steele has a pet alligator. I find that amazing. And now he's from Indiana. He's from suburban Indianapolis. I think the pet alligator is is back at home. But he does have one, and I'd love to see where you put that in in the. I don't. He's probably not in the dorms at UCLA. He's probably you in some apartment. Drive an alligator cross country from suburban Indiana to Westwood. I think he stays at home. Crocky J is the alligator's name. Crocky J, which is a is it an alligator or is it a crocodile? Do you name he, an alligator? Well, I mean, he's a crocodilian. I mean, that that's right, right, right. The other so thing, the, the family crocodile. You that's know. true. So the, the, the other thing confusing about Carson Steele is UCLA also has a transfer named Colin Schley from Kansas State. Mac, yes. Like it's very confusing for when you are a slow person like myself. So well, Carson Steele was a battering ram yes. at Ball State, but but is faster than than people realize, and so I'm interested because he could play kind of the Zach Charbonnet role mm-hmm. for UCLA this year. And I think that could be a lot of fun. All right. So three for three for you. I have to keep pace. That's true. I'm I'm going to make this slightly more difficult. Okay. Now I'm going to stay with a a bigger school theme because you start dipping into like deep. Oh, if you're you're going power, a group of five to group of five or you're, you're you're hurting it. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's just tough. It is just tough because it doesn't always make the headlines, but I'm going to go with a larger human. Power five to power five. Okay. Ladarius Henderson. Ladarius Henderson had to start as a 17-year-old yes. at Arizona State mm-hmm. against grown-ass men from Utah and Oregon and, and mm-hmm. you name it. He will now be a widely savvy veteran on the offensive line at Michigan. This is true. Perhaps the deepest and best offensive line in the country. Multiple time Joe Moore award winning offensive line. The only thing that is confusing to me and relatable to me is leaving a warm West Coast place for the Midwest is not a move you see a lot. Yeah. yeah. I myself growing up in Southern California now living in the Chicago suburbs. <laughs> Ladarius, if you want to come over. It's not some, uncommon. And Ladarius is from da- the Dallas area originally. So true. Yeah. This is this is. It was one of those moves when, because I, I feel like Michigan has done a great job identifying offensive linemen in the transfer portal when they need yes. to do a plug and play situation. Olu Oluwatimi coming from Virginia last year was a great addition to their team. And it sounds like he's doing great. And I believe he's with the Seahawks right now. Uh, that was a, a big pickup for them and, and exactly what they needed. So maybe Ladarius is, is that guy for them this year. Holy cow, we're both three for three. Somebody's got to miss good. a question here. All right, here, 
Here's one. I don't think this guy is much of a, a household name now, but I think as the season goes on and the draft buzz starts to build, I think we're going to learn a little bit more about him. Okay. Edge rusher Steve Linton. Edge rusher Steve Linton. I don't think I have this. I don't. This think is a I tough one. This. this is a tough one. So, Steve Linton. You can see my hands. I'm not Googling. I'm not doing yep, anything. No Googling. So I, I will I will give you some time. Yeah. Let the music play. I'm in the surrender cobra pose right now as I try to scroll through random tweets and headlines in my head. I, I'll give you a hint. Power five to power five. Steve Linton sounds like the bass player for Pearl Jam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm going to say uh, power five to power five. Maryland to Florida State. No. Uh, Steve Linton has gone from Syracuse to Texas Tech. And wow. so Texas Tech looking for somebody on the edge to replace Tyree Wilson. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy, if, if you listen to like Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, Steve Linton is somebody that we are going to be talking a lot about when the season starts because he can come screaming off the edge. The way they want to use him in Texas Tech's defense might showcase his skill set a little bit better. And so this is this is one that, that could be a lot of fun. Keep mm -hmm. your eye on him. All right. So I I've let's see if I can take the lead here because okay. we're tied we were tied before this round began. So can I take the lead? All right. I, I'm gonna protect my competitive nature here and go a little bit trickier, but it does involve a power five school. A Johnny Cornelius. Oh, a Janie, a Johnny. I believe it's A-J-A-N-I. Oh, no. I, I am completely blanking on this. Johnny Cornelius. It, are, are you, are you giving up? Are you? I'm not giving up yet. Okay. I'll take one, one hint like you gave, like I gave you on the last one. So what was the hint that you gave me? Power I five gave you power five, five to power five. This is FCS. To, to power. power five. It's jumping over the group of five. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. Well, And I think you said edge rusher, too. I'll give you a position. You gave. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have to give a position. Yes, yes. Uh, yes. Offensive tackle. Oh, that's right. He's the offensive tackle. He is Rhode Island to... Where did he go? You got oh. the hard part. Yes. Rhode Island to... Oh, where did he wind up? Oh, no. Ah. Uh... I'll even give Nebraska? you a, I'll give you a sub clue. I'll give you another clue. Okay. Offensive lineman, power five, and the offensive line coach who recruited him subsequently left shortly thereafter. Notre Dame? Oregon Ducks. Oh, Oregon Adrian, Ducks. Clem Adrian left Clem the NFL. You're right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Man. Oh, that was tough. That's it's a tough one. That, that is probably the the like the deepest down I will reach. So I will give you a hint before I give you your final name. Oh, we are that now tied to stump each other. Yeah. Because this is a similar situation. Oh, no. Okay. But not FCS okay. to Power 5. It is Division 2 oh. to Power 5. Oh. This would be the Austin Reed move. Actually, Austin Reed was, was Division 2 to Group of 5 uh, right. last year. So uh, this is tight end. Kyle Morlock. Tight end Kyle Morlock. Okay, I've seen this name. 
And because mm-hmm. he was Division Two, I don't remember the name of the Division Two program. I I just remember seeing him. I am going to. I will give you a hint. He went to a Power Five school that has become well known for taking people out of the transfer portal and making them stars. Taking people out of the transfer portal, making them stars. It's it's an educated. Is it Ole Miss? It is not Ole Miss. Ah! I will give you one more guess as to the Power Five school, but I don't think you'll get the Division Two school. So, you know, I remember the Division Two school being a school I had never even that wasn't even the vicinity. You've probably never heard heard of. of. I most of our our viewers slash listeners have probably never heard of this place. Right. Um. What is Arkansas? No. Ah. It is. And now, interestingly enough, the D2 school he comes from is in Arkansas. Oh, okay. Shorter College. Shorter College. Yep. Is the school he played for. Nothing. Kyle Morlock is now at Florida State. Ah. Now, the bigger headline tight end transferring to Florida State was Jaheim Bell transferring oh, yeah. from South Carolina. But they they like Kyle Morlock. They think he can do some stuff for him this year. And so, yeah, Florida State, which uh, Jared Verse was the guy last year from mm-hmm. Albany, the edge rusher. He's back this year. Uh, Jermaine Johnson came from Georgia and became the ACC player of the year in a first-round pick a, a couple of years ago. So the Seminoles, uh, great in the portal, great at IDing, and then oh, figuring yeah. out how they work within their own system. Well, it's what Johnny Wilson, Trey Benson, Fentrell yep. Cypress this year at corner from Virginia. Yep. I actually thought about using, I, I wanted to avoid Florida schools with you because that's just, it's too close. It's, it's hard with Florida state. Cause there's so many transfers. It's hard to keep track of, that's but true. yeah, it's, they, they have quite a few, but man, is it, 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 that one, that's the one, if it blows up, you know, just, just crown Mike Norvell King, the portal. If, if he's he doesn't get the credit that Lane gets, like there is something Portal King ish mm-hmm. about Mike Norvell that I don't know if he necessarily is as well known as he should be for for the success he's had there. All right, if I get this one, I win. Otherwise, we got to go to a tiebreaker. Okay, I want to I want to go somewhere interesting with this, difficult with this. Um, all right. <laughs> This next player's first name, which I'm going to tell you, or his his full name, sounds like he was a baseball manager in 1994. Okay. Ray Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Did Ray Davis coach the Reds? Who's to say? What position does, does Ray Davis play? Ray Davis is a running back. This sounds like that movie, The Replacement, the pseudonym they made for the guy they got out of prison. <laughs> yes. I think his name was like Chuck Smith or like Ray Smith or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Ray Davis. Ray a, Davis he's was a, the third base coach for the Pirates. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a running back. A running back, Ray Davis. And this is power five to power five. Hey, Davis. Uh, yeah. I gotta say, I am completely stumped. Completely blank. And not only I'll give you even, I'll give you the, uh, the conference. Okay. It's the Southeastern Conference, the SEC. Within. means more. Within. School to school. Oh, so he, he went early. Mm-hmm. Okay. Man. I'm still... I, I'm going to say 
Arkansas to Mississippi State. Not a bad guess, but neither of those schools is correct. Oh, no. I believe Ray Davis was Vanderbilt's leading rusher last year. That's right. He's oh, transferring my gosh. into Kentucky, uh, uh, who loses, what, Cavassier Smoke? Cavassier Smoke. Uh, yes. Chris... Uh, Chris Rodriguez in the in the draft, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they lo- they lose both of those running backs yeah. last year, but Cavasse smoked to the portal, and and uh, yeah, Chris to oh, the. So we got to go, we got to go to a tiebreaker round, Dan. Okay, I had a feeling this might happen. I I'm gonna I'm gonna skill position I'm gonna power make... five to power five. I thought you were gonna nail it. Okay, so the let, let's make it where these have to be power five to power five. Okay, fair because we do want this game to end at some point. Correct. So, <laughs> all right, I will give you one. Uh, let's see. Offensive tackle. Oh no, Michael Tarquin. Oh, hold on. I can I actually see his face. Um, I know the name. I'm totally blanking. Michael Tarquin from. I have. I. I. Um... There is a a familial connection by marriage. To the new school. Oh, I was gonna say from you. Um no. Michael Tarquin, familiar marriage. Uh I uh Minnesota to Tennessee. He went from Florida to USC. He will be he was uh, Florida's starting left tackle. He will be USC's starting left tackle. His wife is the daughter of former USC star Tony Baselli, who oh, was a okay. great Jacksonville Jaguar. Yeah. And that's how, so they met in Florida, but he's going to, to his father-in-law's alma mater, I believe wearing his father-in-law's number Wow! at, at USC. So uh, that, that's a fun, all right, if I can get this one, I win. Who you got? I just like this name a lot and I've read it for the past three years uh, in both good and bad context. Dwight McGlothern. Okay. Is he a multi, he's a multi-transfer guy, right? Believe so. LSU to Arkansas. Am I right? Yes. So far. Okay. And where is he now? <sighs> oh, it was last year. Let's scratch. Oh, that. it was. Last well, year. I got it right. He did what? You did get it. Like, right. he, he left Arkansas. Isn't he still playing in Arkansas? I no actually couldn't get it. Before you did yours, I was going to do Dorian Singer, but you had a USC arrival, so I was going to ah, scratch that one. Okay. Arizona to USC. I can get that one. Okay. Austin Stogner. Austin Stogner. So that would be Oklahoma to South Carolina, back to Oklahoma. Correct. Absolutely correct. Yes. All right. Yes, Austin Stogner, the person who incepted the idea of South Carolina trying to get Spencer Rattler as a transfer, mm-hmm. then went over, and now he's going to finish his career where it started in Norman. That's very impressive, Dan. That was a it, tough one. It was almost like he was the the vehicle that brings the plane to the runway and then yes. goes back to retreat. Like yes. he was the vehicle for Spencer yes. Rattler, or the, the plane yeah. that used to piggyback the, the the space shuttle used to piggyback on when it yes. came back from California. Yes, yeah. correct. That um, is a uh, wow. That is that. That was a lot of fun. That was great. I, I you can't even study for this. Like you really can't. No. It's like studying for the SATs. Like it's great that you looked up every word, but it, you got to be able to perform. 
Well, that that one, like when you said Austin Stogner, it, and, and even when you know it, mm-hmm. there's this inkling in the back of your head that you're wrong. I was like, totally. oh, that's the tight end from Oklahoma to South Carolina, and he went back, and I'm like, but what if I'm complete? What if, what if this guy, this guy played at Oklahoma State, and now he's going to Utah? Like, how, did, how am I, I going to miss this? Who are the – and Stockner was the first one I thought of. I was trying to think of the returning transfers, guys who oh, left yeah. and came back. There haven't been a lot, but there have been some, I feel like. I Well, I was going to give you not a, not a returning transfer, but another multi-school guy. Okay. Uh, I was going to throw Keaton Slovis at you. I figure that's a fairly easy one. That's tough. But, yeah, he, he ended up at BYU via Pitt and USC. That's correct, yeah. Um, I guess Liam Cohen would technically count. New old yes. offensive coordinator. <laughs> transferred to the LA Rams and transferred back. Correct. There's Jeff Tedford who left and came back. You have a lot of the coaches doing that, that they rehire this guy mm-hmm. because they're trying to recapture magic. But, yeah, you don't see it as much with players. Stetson Bennett technically counts. Yes. Transferring away to Juco and came back to Georgia. But, yeah, this is – you know what? I was thinking about this, and I don't know if there's more to this game. Mm -hmm. But I was thinking about the game, and it's the the portal and following players and following coaches and following schools and conferences. It makes college football kind of impossible to be a a fan of in a casual way. Like, you really have to – dive in if you want to understand the sport well i I, you know where i stole this from is all the nfl shows because they've done this for years where they come back because you know you have the diehards that are following this stuff religiously all season Mm -hmm. and and all off season but most people have jobs they got stuff to do yes and so they'll come back when training camp begins and be like oh that guy's there and that guy's there and so your good morning footballs and your shows like that will We'll give you a new face, new place feature to kind of highlight who's who's new and and what they can do in the new team. But with college football, there's so much movement. Yes. But, and, and I was thinking about, we barely even scratched the surface. Like I, I had Treshawn Ward on my list. Treshawn Ward, Florida State fans know who that is. ACC yeah. people know who that is. Kansas State? He's going to Kansas State. Yeah. Behind an offensive line that has Cooper Beebe, who might be the best interior lineman in the country, mm-hmm. and three other sixth year seniors who have been multi-year starters on that offense. Like Treshawn Ward is going to run for a ton of yards this year. Yeah. yeah. No, there there's, there are those opportunities that seem like perfect fits, but the, the idea, especially when you talk about the NFL or the NBA, at least hypothetically, those guys have been around six, seven, eight, nine years. Oh, this like KG veteran is now with the Ravens or something. But with college, you're skipping around so much. I look, I've followed the NFL casually and as a diehard, not as a diehard anymore for the entirety of my life where I could watch and, and take in football. I still don't know what dead money is, right? There's, like the, <laughs> there's the NFL equivalent of like red shirting and gray shirting and blue shirting and like suspension. Dead, dead money play. is the players not on your team anymore, but he still counts. Still, cap. Right. Yeah. That's what yeah. my brain sort of figured out, but like, yeah. I still don't understand like, but, He's making this much, but his cap hit is this, right? That yes. like, there's the details of being an NFL fan that are just different. Well, but, get ready. College football may be headed that way too. I know. So. Yes, I, I do. But I was thinking about this with how difficult it can be to be a sports fan and, and trying to explain things to my wife who's into college football. She went to mm-hmm. Michigan, but she will sometimes listen to when she's bored a like celebrity gossip podcast where they're outlining why this person has tension with this person because Mm -hmm. it goes back to this thing when they were both on this show. 
And I realized college football is just bravo for sports dorks. Like it's all the same exactly thing. Right. Exactly where there's right. All these details that unless you are following along with like, oh, Deshaun Jackson just went to Cal because everybody thought he was going to go to USC. <laughs> like, cool that there's so many tiny details and there is connective tissue to mm-hmm. both what I am saying to your game. Yes. Do you have a clue what that connective tissue between Bravo and college football might be? The host named Andy. There, there is a host named Andy. Yes, that's good. <laughs> that's yeah. my ding. But also, I want to say the DB's coach of Utah. Yes. As a real housewife husband. Husband. Yes. Who I might. I, this is just me overhearing. I think his wife might now be incarcerated for something. Uh, might be. She was. She was. There was. There was an issue. And he just was able to secure one of the more coveted cornerbacks in the transfer portal. Uh, Miles Battle from Ole Miss is yeah, now. Sharif Shaw is the is the coach you're talking about. Sharif Shaw is the coach. Jin Shaw is the uh, the Real Housewife in question. Yes, and Miles Battle, I want to say, is the corner cornerback's name, who was especially good two years ago. I don't know how, what kind of year he had last year, but he is going to be stepping in for. Clark Phillips, I think, was the corner who was yes, terrific who for the Utes. Unfortunately, so, just got hurt in training camp and he? he's out for his rookie season. So, oh. but yeah, so th- yes, it is all interconnected. And, all connected. Uh, <laughs> what a what a game, Dan! I this I, I feel like we need to bring on some other friend, like my friend Max Olson over mm-hmm. at the Athletic. We call him the transfer or the portal authority. Mm-hmm. I feel like he could get almost all of these. Like I'd have to go to the. Uh, to the real hard stuff, like mm-hmm. I, I'd have to throw like Andrew Armstrong at him. That's the Texas A&M Commerce to Arkansas wide receiver <laughs> transfer. So, uh, but, but I, I, he would my, Max would be like, "Oh, what you guys did was too easy." Do you think he would he would have gone you know twelve for twelve or whatever? Yes, I do, and and so I think I would have to do. You know how regular Jeopardy, you can get a certain number of questions, but then when the the tournament of champions starts, mm-hmm. you can't get any. We'd have to give Max Ken Jennings level tournament of champions right. questions where he's, he's answering questions exclusively about the equivalent of medieval art yes. or deep old Testament knowledge, like stuff that is just not at the tip of everybody's tongue. Yes, that okay. is right. So this has gotten me more excited though, because some of these new faith, like Carson Steele, mm-hmm. I loved watching on Wednesday nights. Yeah. I can't wait to see him at UCLA. He's going to be great. And that's there's a lot of like really strong fits, right? Some some yeah. of these don't always make sense. Like he's going there. Uh and then you get the weird stories. Who is the it's what? The North Carolina, is it Tez? Johnson? Yeah, well he got denied his uh his right. waiver request. Yeah. Right. So you have the weird cuz he went to a school that didn't went end to up North playing. Carolina Central. Yes. They canceled their season so he went to Kent State and then he transferred to North Carolina and because that's his second transfer they're like, "Nah." Right. So you get like that kind of weirdness. And sometimes when you go to like the portal pages, you're like, yes, this player has left Oklahoma state for question, question, question. You're just like, Oh, okay. So they're just sort of stuck in the portal. And yes. so you, yes. get you don't want to get lost in the trail. It's, it's sort of like being uh, in, in the quantum realm. Correct. A Marvel person. Yeah. <laughs> this is a strong game. This is, it, it's tough because if you're not paying attention on June 30th, if you're not paying attention on March 18th, if you're not paying, and this is our jobs, but even still, it's it's the SATs all over again for me. That's exactly right. It's been fun. We'll probably have to play this again once or twice before the season starts. And uh, mm. 
We shall see what happens. But when we come back, we bid an early farewell to an AD who's done it and seen it all and announced his retirement on Wednesday. We'll be right back. On today's Extra Point, we wish good luck to Gene Smith, who is going to retire as the athletic director at Ohio State at the end of this school year. He announced that on Wednesday, talked about all the changes that have happened since he's been Ohio State's AD. Some big changes just happened last week. Uh, he will be leaving ahead of the new and expanded Big Ten that adds USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. But he also leaves behind a very big legacy at Ohio State. This department is in a really good spot as Gene Smith leaves. It is the envy of college sports. And this is a place where a whole lot of people are going to want that job, including probably some folks who come off of Gene Smith's tree who've done a very good job in their own right as athletic directors. Uh, you've got Heather Like at Pittsburgh. You've got Pat Chun at Washington State. You've got Martin Jarman at UCLA. This is one of those jobs that everybody wants, and whoever takes it will have some very big shoes to fill. And that's... You know, I, I, I've always wanted to leave a place better than I found it. But I also want to leave a place that when the next person comes in, gives them a chance to transition in as smooth as possible. And they now have that ability with this team. And it always wasn't that way. You know, we, we've been unstable a little bit. And, and uh, so now it's a situation where I feel they'll come in and they'll, they'll make changes. They'll, they will based on their style, but they should be able to come in and take their time on the learning curve and allow the team to work. And then they ultimately will make the changes they need to make. That video courtesy of our friends at Letterman Row. Gene Smith seems very content with his decision and that uh, he's done a very good job. He talked about the times that he regretted the 2011 tattoo gate that ended in Jim Trestle basically being pushed out, uh, the dealing with, Urban Meyer and Zach Smith in 2018. But on the whole, if you look at his tenure, it has been remarkably successful. And Ohio State is in a great place as he leaves it. Basically, the envy of the entire industry. So good luck to Gene Smith and uh, good luck to everybody trying to get one of the most coveted jobs in all of college sports. When we come back tomorrow... We got the most interesting man in college football, Charlotte coach Biff Poggi. If all you know about him is that clip from the American Media Days where he's mad about only getting three questions, you're about to learn an awful lot. We'll talk to you tomorrow.